Studies show that uh, everyone prays, uh, just about everyone in the world prays, and just about no one is satisfied with their prayer life. Uh, so when I say everyone prays, uh, sometimes it's the Lord's Prayer, sometimes it's uh, you know the student the student prayer, which is um, Lord help me pass this this exam, uh, or it's the uh, baseball uh, player's prayer, help me not strike out, help me you know help me get a run, whatever. Everybody's in crisis at various times. Everybody's praying. Everybody has things that they want, uh, but nobody feels few, I guess, maybe some, uh, feel like their prayer life is what it could be. So today I had a chance to talk with uh, Dr. Jedediah Copinger. He is the author of the book, 21 Days Childlike Prayer. He is the founding pastor of Redemption City Church in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, basketball player through college, uh, became a Christian in college, grew up in a Christian family, uh, but didn't come to faith until he was in college and uh, then went on to get uh, a master's degree in divinity at Southern Seminary and then a PhD in systematics uh, theology for Southeastern Seminary. He's written or contributed to some other books, uh, but uh, he is the author now of this new book that's just rolling out, and this is uh, we are doing it at Christ Church. We're about to start this uh, 21 Days to Childlike Prayer routine. Everybody's getting the book, and we're walking through it. So had a chance to talk with uh, Jed, and I think you're going to enjoy the interview. It's uh, It's got a little bit of theory into it, but I think it's also pretty practical stuff. So enjoy. Jed, thanks for being here. And uh, first things first, I am apologizing in advance because uh, we had a we had a good friends who were here from Africa. They named their daughter, had a daughter, sort of a surprise uh, child, Jedediah. Except she didn't go by Jedediah; she went by Jadija. And sometime during that whole process, I no longer say Jedediah; I say Jadija. And I'm I'm living in fear that I'm going to call you uh, Jadija. Uh, I have a another friend who's. Uh, did his PhD at Oxford and he insists on saying Isaiah instead of Isaiah. And he says, <laughs> I can't, I can't get it right. He goes, I I'm, I'm a nomad. So anyway. Yeah. Well, listen, you wouldn't be the first person to mispronounce my name. I'll tell you that okay. much. Okay. Well, it seems pretty simple. Maybe I'll just go with Jed. Jed and we'll is be, great. We'll be good. Jed so is great. Uh, I've got lots of questions. It, it occurred to me that the thing to do is I, I do prep. Um, I read your book and, and was thinking about all my questions about prayer. The people, most of the people listening to this are going to have, are going to be in this 21 days of childlike prayer. We're, we're going through this. We're recording this on Saturday. You're going to preach tomorrow. We introduce this thing. We're in a three week uh, series. So I don't want to I don't want to focus too much on your book, but obviously we need to start there. And uh, the first question of every author is: uh, So you wrote a book? What's your book about? <laughs> well, the book Twenty One Days to Childlike Prayer" is about how to pray. Uh, the 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 framing of childlike prayer comes from the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus, out of all of the different ways that He could have chosen to t teach us about prayer pointed us to the father-child relationship. And the nature of the relationship determines the nature of the communication. Yeah. And so... Uh, so you're, you're, you're leveraging this off of the, pray this way, uh, our dad, Abba Father, yeah, this scandalous right. sense of intimacy. A little bit more, I've heard it said, don't don't go daddy, but go dad. It's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a, childlike connection there. There's a childlike connection. R.T. France says, uh, and some scholars dispute this, Second Temple literature, but the, he says the use of that father language was virtually um, not being done at that time. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. And so uh, he really is making a point in a way that uh, may have pushed back uh, some of his leaders or maybe put them off. Um, he's wanting to tie this this uh, this prayer communication and the kind of communication they would have interacted with every day for those of those right. who have kids and uh, it's it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their minds about it and so this book is a meditation on on what that might look like. Yeah, I've heard that uh, that for a Jew, of course, obviously all the reverence around the name of God that they're not even going to say, but for a Jew, God was the father of the nation, but he was not their dad, and so. 
right out of the gate, this was sort of a shocking, scandalous kind of uh, approach. That's right. So people write books um, either because this is their struggle or because they're an expert. And uh, I'm guessing that not quite like humility. You write a book on pride. <laughs> that's sort of a... That's a you know. Am I writing this book on humility because I'm an expert on humility? But if you if I'm not an expert, do you care what I think about humility? I mean, there's a prayers the same way. So everybody prays. Nobody thinks their prayer life is quite good enough. Is this is is your motivation personal? Is your motivation pastoral? Is your I mean, why prayer? Why did you write on prayer? Well, the like many people out there, I knew the Bible has a lot of material telling us that we need to pray and how to pray, and, and over and over it's emphasized. I've got a lot of books on prayer. Yeah. I just didn't have much of a prayer life, and so um, I went through the second year of our church plant, a really tough season, and in the midst of it learned... Uh, lessons about prayer that have revolutionized my life. And I hope that kind of season never happens again, but I praise God for it because I found the prayer life that I always wanted. And so really this book is an attempt to help people learn the lessons I learned without going through what I went through. Yeah, I, I want to ask about that, but but maybe we ought to back up. Define prayer. What, what when, when we're talking about prayer, I think everybody knows, but maybe, maybe not. Yeah, well, you know, you read the history of prayer, different ways that people have defined it. There's a lot of different ways you can define it. The way that I define it is simply it is a, the child of God communicating to their Heavenly Father about what they think is best. And so um, that can be, I mean, you, you read the Psalms, you see them over and over communicating to God about what they think is best, and it's not always pretty. Um, Jesus is teaching us in prayer to pray that God's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, his will be done, things that are what's best. And so we offer up what we think is best in prayer and uh, don't try to perform. And then we trust him to do what's best with our request. Yeah, so maybe you ought to say a little bit about the best, because I know that that's a, you sort of pull that apart, uh, the the four letters there. So lean into that for just a second. Okay, yeah. So uh, there's an, an acronym, right, that, that I use in the book, um, best, and that it's, it goes like this. Uh, you believe God can do anything. You embrace your childlike identity. You specify your requests, and then you trust God to do what's best with your request. And I, I believe those four things really hit on the four major areas uh, that Jesus is driving home in the Lord's Prayer, but also are the four major areas that people struggle to get the prayer life that they were meant to have going. So uh, the reason that many of us struggle to pray simply is that we don't believe God can help us practically in our daily lives. Um, and so we need to be in a place where we really believe he can do anything. He can help us in our marriages. He can help us in our work. He can help us uh, with whatever's on our minds and hearts. We need to embrace a childlike identity because uh, one of the major reasons that you touched on a little bit earlier that we don't pray is pride because pride doesn't pray. And so we need to embrace the dependence of being a child and needing help. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we, we're really embracing that, that identity. Those, those, that that father-child language, uh, God is elevating our view of God, and he is uh, lowering our view of ourselves uh, in just kind of a daily practice there that could help ignite a, a prayer life. So I, I want to I push on this idea of we should pray, we don't pray. And I, I, I want to I ask, ask both sides of that. Why should we and why don't we? But are you familiar with the, uh, the exchange that happened between Mother Teresa and Dan Rather? No. Okay, so uh, this is obviously years ago. Uh, Rather asks Mother Teresa, when you, he says, when you pray, what do you pray for? She says, I don't say anything. And uh, I just listen. And she said, and then Rather says, well, what does he say? And, and uh, she says, um, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. And then she says, and, and it's just because it's Mother Teresa and it's Dan Rather. So she's sort of snarky and she says, if you don't get it, I can't explain it to you. So I'm not going to I'm not going to lift that up as the model. But but I took away from that and I heard this a little bit in the way you were answering the, the communication. Part of that is communing. It is the it is the time in the pre 
time in the presence, more intentionally in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's requests, but it's also time, it's listening, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's believing, it's being realigned, it's all of those, all of that. It's all of that. I mean, and, and the scriptures show us, you know, a beautiful variety of approaches to prayer uh, that are, could be categorized as all of that. I mean, you think about Nehemiah and Daniel ha- having these times of prayer, but also praying on the go. Right, uh, you know, the king, you know, asks him a question. He he prays, and then he answers the king. Right, right? and and Nehemiah, he uh, he prays and posts workers on the wall. That's right, on the wall. Right, that's so, right. Yeah, it's a prayerful productivity. Yeah, uh, you see, you know, in the Psalms, where there are times where they are very specific about what they want to see, and there's other times, like in Psalm five, where it says, uh, "Consider my sighing, and I'll watch right. expectantly." I just right. can't find the words. I'm just going to breathe here. I'm just going to sit here. So you kind of have that kind of thing. There's other times where uh, you, you see, you know, the people of God coming together and praying very specifically for Peter to be delivered the night before he was supposed to be executed by by Herod. Jesus himself prays publicly for food to, to appear right. and, and different things along the way. And you just see a lot of different, uh, you know, you, everybody's familiar with Gary Chapman's, you know, five uh, love languages. You yep. just see a lot of different prayer languages. There's a lot of different pathways. Yep. And I think the reason is because the relationship is like a father-child relationship where you talk about everything. Yeah. And so you've got, you've named a bunch of different settings and you could also name different types of prayer, yeah. not just public and private, but confession or praise or a petition. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, so prayer is a lot of things. It's a childlike relationship. It's ongoing communication. And yet, uh, most people are very unhappy with their prayer life. Mm-hmm. So, why should we pray? Why don't we pray? Well, I think, you know, the reason we should pray is one starters, the, the scriptures command us to, right? Pray without ceasing. Um, but it's not some kind of heartless duty. He's inviting us into a, a relationship. He's inviting us into a, a story where we're looking at our problems and our plans with a God who loves us infinitely and whose power is unmatchable, and, and on and on that, that goes. And so I, I think that uh, the reason, one of the re- main reasons isn't just so that we might see things happen that wouldn't otherwise happen, although that's certainly true. Jesus there's scripture says you have not because you asked not. So there is a category for things that could happen if you were just to ask for it. Um, but it's also a change of perspective. Um, in the Lord's Prayer, he provides us, I think, pathways to help us lean into the main reasons why we are here, which is to advance his kingdom, uh, to manage the relationships he's given us, and, and so on and so forth. I think in terms of like the, the major reasons why people don't pray, the two major reasons why people don't pray uh, are one, a low view of God, and two, a high view of themselves. And Jesus starts out the Lord's Prayer by saying, hey, we have a heavenly Father, so we're praying to a heavenly Father, so he's willing, right? But we also have one who's in heaven, so it's the Psalm 115.3 God who's in the heavens and does whatever he pl- pleases. Our God is in the heavens and does whatever he, he pleases. So you have a, a willing God and you have an able God uh, to help you. And as, as you think about this God and his capabilities, then it kind of gives you a story I give in the, in the uh, I'll tell it briefly in the book. Um, it's just, we're to be children at the, my God can do anything stage. My dad can do anything stage. So coming home from baseball <laughs> yeah. and this kid. I don't have any kids at that stage anymore. Well, it, it's, yeah. there's a moment. There's yeah. a moment where a kid came on, he saw me something, uh, throw, a, throw a baseball, and he just was blown away. And he said, Dad, is there, is there, is there anything you can't do? Yeah. And, and that moment vanished, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think Jesus is saying, I want you to live I'm, in that. I'm at the, Dad, is there anything you can do? Like, <laughs> that's where most of us That's where most of us are. But I tell you what, th- those are the two major things. Is we, we have a low view of God, and, and we have a high view of ourselves. It, we think pride sounds like this. I don't have time to pray. It would be more productive if I would just get on with my work, as if... We are more competent than God is in, in carrying out the tasks 
that he sets before us. But God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. We see it over and over in Scripture. We see, you know, who could split the Red Sea? Who could right. raise Lazarus? You know, all those kinds of things. And I think that Jesus is attacking those two things uh, at the beginning of his, his so Lord's clearly, Prayer. Clearly, I, I, I like that. I, I want to agree with you that we need a higher view of God and a, and a better view of ourselves. I, I, I don't want to necessarily say a lower view of ourselves because... Our, I think our view of ourselves needs needs to be nuanced. We're we're, sure. high, we're 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 greatly valued, but we're deeply fallen. Sure. Uh, highly valued, deeply fallen, greatly loved, and so we need a right view of ourselves. We need to move in that direction. Absolutely. So, and I would agree also with what you're saying here. Uh, we we should pray because we're told to pray. We should pray because Jesus prayed. We should pray. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we should pray. And I also would agree that there's a variety of reasons we don't, starting with the fact that we just think we can do this. Um, but let me ask you, let me pivot this just a little bit. So you're a pastor, mm-hmm. and one of the, you know, one of the things that happens is people come in and they they feel like their prayer life isn't working, or their that, and it's not. I mean, part of the reason people don't pray is because we're lazy and we're sinful and we're fallen and we're, we're, we're distracted. And part of the reason may be because we don't think God is as good as he is or because, and this mm-hmm. is one of the more painful ones, God doesn't love me. God loves you. You're good. You're a pastor. But God doesn't love me. And if he did love me, if he did love me, like things would be going better. And I'm either doing it wrong or I, I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to believe. I just It's not happening. God is distant. My prayers aren't going any higher than the ceiling. So what do you say to the person who's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to think that, you know, dad's in the front seat and I don't have to worry about anything, but that's not my life. And I try and buck up and pray and read the Bible and be good and do the right things, but it's not working out. So mm-hmm. I've prayed a lot of prayers and God's either not there or he's not listening. So how do you talk as a pastor for a moment to that person? Yeah, I certainly understand it. Um, we see the psalmist communicate those kinds of things. Um, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. Um, uh, and Psalm, and later a in the lot Psalms. of the psalms read like that. Yes, right? yeah, yes. Darkness is my only friend, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so, so you have those things in Scripture, and, and so you should expect to have those things in your own life. Um, you know, Paul Miller in A Praying Life says that uh, a praying life doesn't offer us a less busy life. Uh, it offers us a less busy heart. Um, and it doesn't oh, necessarily yeah. mean like that. it doesn't necessarily mean that it changes your circumstances, um, but it does uh, have the potential to change your heart in that. And so, prayer is not about engaging an unengaged God. It's a it's a, it's about really, in a lot of ways, engaging our unengaged hearts with a God who's present, who's willing, who's able to help us. I think part of it, depending on the person and the situation, I would I would try to say, hey, let's increase our try to help them increase their not just their view of God's power, but their 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 view of God's love and His wisdom. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, anybody that's lived very long as a Christian finds themselves in situations that don't seem to add up, um, a, a, a difficulty that doesn't make sense in light of who God says He is and what He's calling us to, the tribulations and the pressures and the catastrophes that the Apostle Paul talks about in Second Corinthians. And so I think that uh, that's where the battle to have that childlike trust. Uh, I'm, we're, we're not talking about a childish, simplistic faith. Right. Uh, childlike prayer is one that wrestles with this, really the depths of, hey, um, my child just passed away at two. Things that don't make sense and won't make sense uh, on this side of the grave. Yeah. And so I think that for us, it's more about the character than it is understanding. Tim Keller talks about you need to know and not know. Uh, we know some certainty. Uh, the promises that he's given us, but we don't know a lot of the things. And so helping people live in that mystery with courage and hope, I think, is something that can come about when you when you really have a trust that says, uh, if I saw things like he saw things, that all of this would make sense. But right. where I am, it doesn't. And so help right. me, Lord. I think Keller's the one that says, 
I, I, I should trust that God will answer the prayer the way I prayed it or the way I would, I would expect or what I would want if I knew everything that God knew. That's right. Yeah. So I, it, it occurs to me I should back up and ask you to tease out the difference between childlike and childish because obviously we don't want to be simply immature. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of that. So uh, we have a new grandchild who's, you know, wonderful and perfect and beautiful and all of those things. Official statement. Yeah. And uh, I am aware that at some point, I mean, she's literally uh, not even two months old. So at some point, I just remember with our kids, you realize, okay, that cry was not a... Um, I have needs. That cry was, I'm mad, and if I could, I would, you know, I'd, I'd wring your neck. Oh, yeah. Uh, so children are wonderful, but they're clearly fallen, and they're immature in ways that we don't want to emulate. But you're writing a book about being childlike. So you've said a little bit about this. It's dependence. Is there is there any formula or any description that you try and make to distinguish between those two? Yeah, I mean, the two the two types or emphases that I try to make in terms of your childlike identity are are understanding um, that you're dependent and, and then having that boldness uh, to come in. And so that just kind of to, to talk about whatever's on your heart. Um, but I think in the Lord's Prayer, he gives us identity markers that help frame the kind of life a mature, growing Christian should be engaged in. And so um, it, it's a hallowed be your name. You're praying that God's name would be treated as it should be treated in your heart and the hearts of others in the world that we live in. And so there's a lot that that just immediately removes that could be categorized as childish. Um, kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. The child of God is assumed to be in this prayer on the mission with God uh, about his heavenly father's uh, work in the world. And so uh, it's not just kind of a, a uh, you know, let's use God as a genie and, and, and just, hey, would you do this, you do this. It's, it's uh, no decent father um, would, would, right. would do would that, get, would enable. what they want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. One of us has to be the adult here. Exactly. And, uh, but there is, there is, I've found more of a tendency in the conversations that I've been with at our church and other churches for people to there there is the childish struggle but most of the people are asking that question have a hard time believing that they can really talk to god about what's on their heart that that stuff that's not in the bible they don't have a verse they don't but they really would love to see this thing happen for their kid a friend to appear this week or they really would like is it okay to talk about that i've, I've over and over i've heard throughout uh, my time with people like is it okay to ask this is it okay to ask right. this? And I think that childlike boldness that breaks into the the room in the middle of the night, that kind of thing, I think is a, a thing that God wants us to. Right. To, that breaks into the, that walks into their parents' bedroom in the middle of the night and, and makes whatever I need this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk for a second um, about the specific, because you make a lot of in, in your best analogy and in the book, uh, it seems like if there is a, if there is a particular nuance of this book, because yeah, you said you get a lot of books on prayer. I I don't I don't know how many books I've got on prayer, <laughs> but books and sermons and articles and it just goes on forever. So what seemed to be, as I was reading your book, what seemed to be the most, you know, this this was part of your learning curve or this is part of what you wanted to set in front of people was mm -hmm. the specific prayer. Right. So talk a little bit about your journey on that aspect of prayer. Not just God bless me, but I need a, my kid needs a friend. <laughs> like, right. And I, I need to see that happen by whenever. Right. Yeah. So talk about how specificity leads to visibility. When you get specific in your prayers, you give the invisible God an opportunity to become visible in your life in a way he wouldn't without that specific prayer. And, um, you know, I, I found that is probably the, the most feedback, most positive feedback that I get in regards to the book is regarding that, like you, you mentioned. Uh, it's really hard to get specific the older you get. Uh, kids are really easy. They, they, yeah. they, they, they can come up with a list really fast. For adults, though, 
when you get specific that you can just see either he gives me a no and that that wasn't what was best for me and I have to do that battle in my heart to trust him or you see something there that uh, is unbelievable and and that's what we see throughout the scriptures they the people of God often knew when God answered their prayer or if God answered their prayer and most of us the prayers that we pray uh, are don't. too safe yeah yeah the vague prayer syndrome is, is something I talk about in the book which is fine to pray vague prayers we all pray them uh, God bless this food but none of those things ignite in us the childlike faith and wonder that God wants our prayer lives uh, to, to ignite in our hearts. He wants us to see the Red Sea or the, um, you know, I mean, I, I give example after example in there. I was talking to a friend last night about, um, it was an early stage in our church. We had the most staff we've ever had. And uh, you know, have I mean, you been here uh, for quite a bit and seen the church yes. grow and you add staff and you're so excited, but then you're also thinking, oh Lord, I need a big December. I need a yeah, big financial right, yeah. December. And it was the lowest financial December we've ever had. And uh, I was uh, a bit anxious about that. And then in January, we had a 21 days of prayer, and I was praying, God, I, I don't know how, but could you make us? Usually January is down compared to December. And um, a guy reached out, took me out, and essentially told me, hey, I got a big raise at work, and uh, I'm going to start giving this amount. Uh, so I just wanted you to know, help me think about what it means to be generous. The amount, which was a massive amount, was the difference between what we received in December and what I was praying for in December. And I think God was wanting to use that to, to right. try to cause in me, one, uh, not to look to a month, but to look to Him, and, you know, to Him yeah. to provide for us. But it, when you have those moments, it's not even really about the answer. It's just about, like, God is here in my life yeah. and my problems, and it changes everything. Yep. Great. Yeah, I'm going to ask you for a couple more prayer stories that because that, I think— those are, can be so uh, encouraging and motivational to people. But but let me ask a, another pastoral question. Okay. So you're here uh, up from uh, Tennessee. You guys are going. Your, your family, you're going to a Cubs game this afternoon. Cubs Brewers. So there'll be a lot of people praying for the Cubs to win uh, <laughs> and a lot of people praying for the Brewers to win. So how in the world does prayer work? Like what what's happening in prayer? So... Well, yeah, I guess I guess that's people say I'm not telling God anything He doesn't know. I'm trying to figure this out. How does this prayer change things? Because it seems like it's all predestined or foreordained. Does prayer work? How does prayer work? How do you answer that question for somebody who's, you know, they're not being cynical. They're just saying I sort of don't get it. Yeah. Well, I'd say there's a lot that we don't get. There's a lot of mystery. Um, Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us, hey, listen, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but he reveals some things for us to live out. And so uh, there's a lot that we don't understand on how it works together. Jesus tells us right before the teaching on the Lord's Prayer, hey, just so you know, uh, we already know what you need. Like Your Father already knows what you need. So this isn't about informing an uninformed God. Uh, I think he's saying it's about engaging our unengaged hearts in the story that he is uh, is telling. D does he know that we're going to offer up a prayer? It would seem from Scripture, yeah, he knows when we're going to pray and when we're not going to pray. Does he still call us to be responsible and to do those things, and will we be held account? Yes, he does. And so there is a great mystery on how those play together, but the thing that he does show us over and over is that Jesus prayed, and if he had to pray, then right. my guess is we need to pray too. And then he wanted his followers to pray, and it seems that he loves to use prayer uh, to show up in a way uh, for us to become real in our daily lives in a way that he wouldn't otherwise. I'm praying for the Cubs to win today, <laughs> yeah, but as good. a lifelong Cubs fan, yeah. that usually is an answer That's, no. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, although maybe I have too little faith here. So, um, Prayer is, as we are communing with God, we are being realigned, we are, we are asking, we are, we are reminding ourselves of our dependence, we are oftentimes rehearsing scriptural promises. So prayer is changing us. As, as, now, I also would, would say, I do believe prayer somehow, and it's a mystery. Mystery, by the way, you know, theologically, mysteries are just sort of beyond our our uh, labor grade it's truth we can't make sense of not nonsensical just beyond us yeah. uh, 
but not a you know Agatha Christie kind of mystery. Right. Uh, so there's a mystery there with prayer. We know that somehow we're being changed. And I also just want to say, I do believe that prayer does somehow, in the grand scheme of things, seem to be something God uses to change outcomes. If things are different because of prayer, we seem to get that Absolutely. statement. So um, how has prayer changed you? You started this by saying, I went through a difficult time, second year, don't want to go through it again but thankful that I learned some things and I changed. So how is Jed 2021 different than Jed, you know, whenever that was 20, when when did you start the church? I started in uh, 2013. So 2013. So, so 20, so 2014 Jed is going through a difficult time and prayer is part of the spiritual practices that God is using to mold and shape you. So how did you change because of prayer? I mean, I think that um, the, the there's a number of different things that come to mind. Um, I have more peace, I'd say inner peace, in the midst of often chaotic circumstances. Um, I have more courage uh, in the midst of, um, of things that would have typically scared me. Um, and I wouldn't have used that language, but that's, that's essentially what it would have been. I've, I've got more patience in, in, in times when I would have been a little bit more frustrated. Um, and I think that all of that comes back to um, the dominant marker of, of the prayer life that I'm advocating for, which is realizing I don't know what's best for me. And um, oftentimes we think we know what's best for us, and um, that's that, and and we certainly have can have good thoughts in that regard. But we live these lives of tension because we don't have the ability to bring about what we think is best for us. So Paul Miller, in his book A Praying Life, talks about um, uh, anxiety uh, and the position that most of us take, which is essentially that we look at uh, problems. We think we know exactly what needs to happen. Like not not we think that this is probably what should happen. Like this is what has to happen. And then we just essentially ruin our lives trying to get there and live these lives of tension because we think we're not getting what's best for us. But when you come back to this place and you realize, I don't know what's best for me. I'm going to tell God what I think is best for me. I'm going to pursue what I believe yep. the Scripture is calling me. When you come back to that place, you can live in a place of freedom and faith. And um, it just takes the pressure off of you because now you're not trying to pick up a burden you were never designed to pick up. Yep. Yeah, I think in my own prayer life, uh, especially when when COVID hit, and I sort of look back and I'm I'm a little confused as to why the early months of COVID were so stressful, because I now look back and say, okay, um, first of all, I mean, obviously it all it it was in in the broad scheme of things for most of us not for everybody but for most of us and for the church it was it was fine i was uh, praying a lot more i was running a lot more mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of my prayer was lord i'm running too much um i'm going to i'm going to break uh <laughs> and i need i need to be able to keep running which i'm very glad to say that was a prayer that he answered because uh prayer was uh prayer and running were ways i was dealing with stress again i mm-hmm. sort of look back and say now I'm a little confused as to why that stress level was. I, I don't. I don't get it. I get it, but I don't get it. So I. I do. I, my my devotional life really ramped up during that time, and it was a sweet time um, for us. Um, but if I was going to be a cynic, I would say, uh, Woodruff, you just used prayer as therapy. Like all you, what you were after was a sense of peace or a sense of calm or a sense of, um, you know, I don't know, stability, something. And this was really not fundamentally different than meditation. You were calming your heart. You were repeating some promises. You were uh, processing things in prayer, in a journal, writing things out, other things. So you want to you want to answer the cynic like prayer as prayer as therapy. Some people might say, "Oh yeah, you 
you want to pray, I meditate, uh, somebody else says, I, you know, I do yoga. Yeah, speak to, speak to that cynic. Yeah, no, I, we've got plenty of them around us uh, in, uh, in Franklin. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand the impulse. And I would say that I, I see where you might think that because uh, some of the benefits from the prayer life that we're talking about um, are benefits that, that therapy promises or at least aims to bring about which is his peace and hope and these different things like that. Uh, the fundamental difference is, is that prayer is uh, a relational reality where you're saying, I can't handle this uh, on my own. I need outside intervention. I need your help, Lord. It is a relational endeavor um, with a very real God. And so um, if if he doesn't exist, then uh, we're wasting our time. But yeah. if he does exist then uh, it's not just kind of exactly like this. These things are just kind of copycat things that are picked and, you know, choosing their similarities, but there's a fundamental difference because what you're saying is I'm weak. I can't handle this, which is something the scriptures say over and over to us. But now we're just acknowledging that and coming to the Lord in prayer saying, I need your help. Uh, the world's shutting down. I don't know what's going to happen at church. I don't know what's going to happen to the staff. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, people. You're worried about people getting sick and dying. You're worried about all these kind of things. And you're just saying, I can't, I can't, I can't handle this. And Jesus says, that's exactly what I love to step into. He says, come to me, all you are, are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, hey, come to me, all of you. You got your stuff together. You've been thinking about stuff. You got your, your strategy in place. He says, you got problems, I've got answers. And in the midst of those answers, the Apostle Paul says, there's an experience of Jesus you can't get without him. Okay. Okay, so let me, let's, let's, let me push on, on the... I, you, you've got my, let's imagine, you've got my attention. Okay, I, I want to pray. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I want to do better. Another prayer book. Uh, you know, I've tried others. But, uh, okay, Jed, here we go. Uh, I'm going to ask, how exactly do I do this? So, I mean, the disciples asked Jesus how to, you know, teach us to pray. Interestingly, I've pointed out, I might have asked, how do I, uh, you know, multiply uh, the food? How do I walk on water? How do, yeah. I, uh, how do I do these other things? Yeah. But... They're looking at him. Obviously, there's some sense that this is his prayer life is exceptional. It seems to be this the secret or at the nexus of what's really different about him. And obviously, Scripture tells us that you know he's up early in the morning and he's out praying, and and so they're watching him. They're up they're up close and personal, and they say, okay, this seems to be ground zero. I gotta I gotta figure this stuff out. So they say. How, how to teach us how to pray. And he gives us, you know, the, the 57 words that, that arguably are the most repeated 57 words in the history of words yeah. because so many people have, have repeated them so mm -hmm. often. And there's a lot we can learn from the Lord's Prayer. But let's be a little bit more uh, pedantic than that. <laughs> do, I, do I need to close my eyes? Do I need to get up early? Do I need to... Uh, be on my knees? Do I need to fold my hands? I mean, how do I pray? Somebody's asking you, how do I pray? What do you say? So I, I encourage people to start where they are and to start simple. And um, one, just to write down one prayer, one thing they would love to see God do and by when. The, the hardest prayer that you'll pray, the hardest specific prayer is the first one. And I encourage people to write it down and to come back to it because oftentimes God will do something and we'll forget about it. But we've seen this over and over in the life of our church, people that have never prayed who said, all right, fine, I'll try this thing out. And what they'll do is they'll come to me and they'll ask a similar question, less eloquent. And, uh, and, and I just say, just take a piece of paper, take a pen, start your day out or whatever it is. Whenever it comes to mind, write something down. For me, Evernote, uh, I just have a, a note on there where I am. And if it, a problem comes to mind or something you would love to see happen, write it down. Okay. And just write the date that you started praying that. And, and that's it. And you just start to pray that and then trust God to do what's best with it. 
and um, you never know what might happen. Okay, great. Uh, and I know that as as we walk through the twenty one days of prayers, people are reading that and going through that. That you're 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 holding their hand and and mapping that out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna. So now let's go to prayer. Not 101, 102, or 201, whatever we want to say. Uh, I want to develop a prayer life. Do I need a journal? Do I need a set time? Do I need a, a what? What do I do to grow my prayer life from one specific prayer that I've written down? to the next step what would you say yeah I, so i think it's a great question i think that that i mean how do you get to the point where with faith you can pray that the cubs are going to beat the brewers when the cubs are <laughs> hey listen if it well happens below it's 500. What's best for us. if it doesn't yeah. it's not what's best for us um you know so i i i would say um everybody's wired differently but i would encourage everybody to figure out their way to write down or to capture prayers and not try to write a novel, not try to necessarily write in complete sentences. My wife does, and it's a really beautiful thing. My, If you read mine, it, you would be, it, it's, it's not. But I would say find you something to write in. Um, think about the major roles that God's called you to as a, a family, you know, as a husband, as a father, as a worker, as a friend, those kinds of categories, and write down a prayer in each one of those. Um, it could be a daily thing. It could change daily. You could do it weekly. I have a daily, here's what's on my heart, just kind of venting with the Lord or pleading with the Lord. And this happens in the morning. This, this happens in the morning for me. Okay. Some people, it's better at night. Some people take their lunch at work. But I found that if it doesn't happen in the morning for me, it, it throws okay. the rest yep. of the day off. So whatever's on your mind, praying that meeting, the things that are coming up, whatever that, just just go to the Lord with that, write it down. Um and then review it uh, once a week or okay. once a month, okay? And that would help you do that. Uh, you've got your roles there. I would encourage you to pray, not just for yourself, but for your family, for your church, for others as well. And you can have that on your list there. And then um, see what happens. And so you're, you're doing those things where you're, you're praying specifically for yourself. Um, I encourage people to have an on-the-go capture thing because there's a lot of prayer. Most of the prayers I pray, I don't write down. It's just on my mind, comes right. up. I'm worried about a budget. I'm worried about this. So so feel free to pray those things. And um, in the midst of that, people often need to hear this when they really engage with this, is beware of the tendency to start thinking, if I don't ask for it, it won't happen. Um, and this is a little bit further on. But uh, remember, Jesus and the Spirit are praying for you, even as you right. pray. You know, McShane has that famous uh, uh, quote that essentially says, uh, if I could hear Jesus praying for me for in the me next, in the next room, room, I wouldn't fear 10,000 armies. Right. Distance makes no difference. He's praying for me. So, so remember, in the midst of it, don't, don't put up this pressure on your back to, to pray and pray, pray and these kinds of things. But I would say that's how I do it individually. But I think it takes another level of whenever you move and pray with a group or pray with your family, or pray with your church, because there's a shared kind of moment that happens whenever, and we have story after story, where we're all praying for something, and God, and it just happens, and it, it ignites that childlike faith in a way. Jesus says, our Father, right? There's a, it's a corporate effort. Right. And so I think that uh, that's how you can take it to another level. So you, men you mentioned, um, McShane, is there... Besides, besides the book that you wrote, what book on prayer do you recommend? Uh, what do you What are you most likely to you know to recommend or to buy for somebody and give to them? What What is your favorite prayer book? There's only a million out there. There's only a million. The one that I recommended for years and was most influential in my life was Paul Miller's A Praying Life. Okay. Um, it, it was fantastic. Um, and then over the years, it eventually led to me doing my own. But um, Paul Miller's A Praying Life, I think if, um, you know, we talked about some of the folks in ministry that are listening, I think that anything Spurgeon writes on prayer is fantastic. But his lectures to my students, uh, you know, uh, has a number of chapters devoted to prayer. You know, he said he'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. And um, so he, he's, but he's, he's rich. Robert Murray McShane, 
uh, is fantastic. George Mueller. A lot of these guys, though, I've found, I used to work in book publishing. Books change lives, and not as many people read books as, as right. uh, you'd want. But I think that uh, Paul Miller would be my, my starting point. Okay. So uh, we're, we're coming. Don Whitney. Let me mention Don Whitney. His spiritual disciplines or praying the Bible is fantastic as well. Okay. So uh, starting to head towards the exit here, let me ask, let me, let me give you uh, three just soft, slow pitches across the plate. Uh, <laughs> what else do you want to say to people? I'm going to ask you for a, a great uh, story as well. Uh, but what have I not asked you that you were hoping because you want to say this to people? Um, what would that be? I mean, we, we've covered, I think, about three categories. You know, you talked about, hey, how, how do you pray? What do you pray? You know, you've you got the roles. But I think thinking about you can pray your Bible when you read in the morning. Don't just read it. Pray for God's help to do it, you and others. You pray your problems. This is how can we pray unceasingly like Paul tells us to, but when you realize our problems are unceasing. Right. So turn those prayers into uh, specific prayer, those problems into specific prayers, uh, and then those problems will become platforms for you to for you to see something of Jesus you wouldn't without it. And then pray your plans and just pray your outcomes. So like our family right now, on Sunday, we're praying, What everybody gets one prayer request. What are we praying for this week? When I'm, I, I've got a test that I need help on. When I'm, I, I want a friendship or uh, I've got this meeting, whatever it is. And so invite others to do that kind of a thing. But just pray your pray, pray your Bible, pray your plans, pray your problems. That'd be something that, uh, that I'd throw out. Great. Great. So um, what's a what's a story to end on, a story of answered prayer? I, I've, I've shared with people, you know, some of the more shocking stories. I had a, uh, went back to my college reunion, 43 reunion, and it's uh, so many of the, my fraternity brothers have come to faith. And it's, it's a shocking, I mean, and not just come to a, uh, a tepid faith, but have come to a uh, vibrant faith, sold businesses to go on the mission field, gone to seminary, and it's, it's the least likely. And I was talking with a friend, and I said, you know, I, I really think uh, that it, I'm, I'm going to give credit, you know, outside of the Lord, I'm going to give credit to, to John Hickson and this Bible study that he had. And she said, oh, really? Well, that's interesting because I'm going to give credit to the fact that for a year we met at 7 a.m. five days a week praying for your fraternity brothers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I but but looking at it and, and I sort of came away when I graduated, not discouraged, but I just like, yeah, well, that didn't really work. Didn't really see the changed lives that I would have thought. Uh, and God just didn't answer that prayer in the time frame I expected. So. Uh, I recently shared that, and I've in in my the, the story that I've written about is a uh, a friend, a pastor who had this weird journey in which he said, uh, you know, a year ago I I suddenly had a desire to have a Minnesota Kicks uh, uh, shirt uh, jersey, and I tried to get one and I couldn't, and it's a long story, but he goes, you know, I eventually I. Uh, I, I found a friend who works in the fashion industry. I said, will you make this for me? I got an old Sports Illustrated picture of this guy. And, you know, would you make this for me? And uh, it was Alan Wiley, his favorite player. And, and she goes, well, I can't because it's trademarked. And so he writes to the owner of the company. Uh, the owner, the, the kicks are no longer even a franchise, but he writes to them. You know, can, I, can I make one jersey? And gets permission. He says, I've spent so much money on this thing. I'm hiding it from my wife, but he goes, I want this shirt. And he says, so I make it. I have it made. And he said, then it's, you know, then the problem is, is this is awful 1970s colors. It's, you know, pastel blue. And, you know, what am I going to do with it? He goes, I, I'm going to speak in Minnesota. He lives in California. I'm going to speak in Minnesota. He goes, I, I pack it. He goes, before I get up to speak, this is a business, largely a business event. Uh, I'm dressed in a, with a tie on, you know, he goes, I, I, I go back at the last minute, I put on this jersey and he says, I don't say anything about it. He goes, I'm just, I goes, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. He goes out and he speaks and he goes, afterwards, this guy comes up to me and he says, um, where did you get that jersey? And he goes, well, you know, long story. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, that jersey doesn't exist. Where did you get that jersey? And uh, he says, well, I, I, uh, you know, I said, I had it made. And, and he goes, this guy then starts, you know, crying. He goes, that's my jersey. 
I'm Alan Wiley. How did you get that jersey? <laughs> and he said, I came in late. I don't really know who you are. He goes, I was in the parking lot. He goes, I came to Faith a year ago. And he goes, but it has not worked out as I thought. He goes, I was in the parking lot. And I, I finally said, God, if you're God, you got to give me a sign. And uh, he goes, I come in here and you're wearing my jersey. And he goes, I'm freaking out. And uh, he goes, he goes, he goes, that point, my friend says, he goes, I'm freaking out. He goes, because I've done this. He goes, I have been, he goes, I have been answering that. I've been part of answering this guy's prayer a year before he prayed it. Like, I get this, you know, bug. I need to get this jersey. And then I got to go through this, all this work to get it. And he goes, then I don't even know what I'm doing with it. I've got it. I'm hiding the cost from my wife. I put it on and this, you know, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to wear this thing. Like, is this me or is it your bad pizza last night? And you go, put it on. I'm an answer to this guy's prayer that he prayed, you know, 30 minutes ago. And I didn't actually even, uh, I, I mean, I, I was working on it a year before he prayed it. So it's a, I mean, there's those stories. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody can top the Alan Wiley story <laughs> of prayer. But is there, are there stories that you tell or are there specific answers to prayer that have motivated you and keep you going that we can end on? Yeah, a couple come to mind. I mean, there's, I, I would say just before I hop into it, one of the major, most of my prayers that really ignited me, uh, uh, the childlike faith to continue to ask for things are small things like, Lord, would you encourage me, send me a word of encouragement by the end of the day. And I get a text message from someone out of the blue or, you know, things, things like that. Just praying those small things that I would encourage people not just to we don't have to wait for the big things. But a few of the bigger kind of answers to prayer that we've seen happen. I, I remember um, we were as a young church talking to someone about potentially buying some land. And um, we were we were he wanted us to buy a lot. We didn't want to buy a lot. We didn't have a lot of money. Did, he didn't want us to get land lot. We went back and forth. Uh, it seemed like forever, and I just wrote down, um, I remember it in my Evernote uh, note that, uh, God, would you just cause him to give us his land? And uh, it's just a simple prayer, and prayed it, and continued to talk, and continued to talk, and prayed it occasionally, and and um, anyways, about nine months later, um, we're at a table, and he says, hey, you know what, uh, why don't you guys just buy what you're comfortable buying, and uh, we'll give you uh, he and his wife, we'll, we'll give you this re the rest of this this land over here so that we're not worried about you being landlocked. Hmm. So that would have been an awesome day in and of itself. We ended up buying seven acres and receiving 23 acres hmm. and uh, in a very wealthy area where it's hard to find uh, that yeah. kind of a kind of experience. But the the fact that 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 I've been praying that was just one of those things where it doesn't take great prayers to see great things happen. It just takes a great God. And really the experience of God on that day was better than the millions of dollars worth of land that he had just yep. given us. So that's one. But people will sometimes say, oh, you've got church and we do have church ones, like uh, not having to sell land on a, we were going to have to sell land to build. And it was, our goal was to raise 1.5 million. All these people were praying behind the scenes that for a special gift so that we wouldn't have to sell our land. And the commitment came in at $3.5 million instead of 1.5, which was based on a survey the people gave us uh, three months earlier. So, you know, you have these kind of church things. Right. People say, what about what about my, my own life? Well, one of my favorite stories is uh, a friend of mine who is, uh, I, you know, I'm Jed from Tennessee, and obviously from my accent, you can tell I'm, I'm from the <laughs> South in this. Uh, but this guy set, makes me sound like I'm from Boston, Okay. <laughs> okay. And um, he was, uh, he's, he's a business guy, starts a lot of businesses, and was at this part of the, the process where everything he's making is putting back into, into the business. You know that deal. But they've got a, several kids, and the business wasn't going like he was hoping it was going. And so he had to, he, he, he had to sell his truck. Um, and there's a lot of things that a redneck guy right, doesn't want to have yeah. to do, but a truck. And so he did, his wife was driving him and dropping him off at work. And... Um, they got to the place where, I mean, they were in a, in a desperate spot. They did a top 10 family prayer list that was kind of tied to all of this. And he was just praying, God, I know it's, there's not like a Bible verse for this, but I just love <laughs> yeah. a truck, right. you know? And that's what I'm praying for. Everybody had this, this family top 10 list. Well, anyways, by the end of the month, uh, one of my neighbors, he lives about four houses down from me, one of my other neighbors, he had no idea about this, says, hey, I'm moving back to California. He has this giant truck. He says, where I'm li where I live in California, this thing cannot right, go. Right, right. He says, so could 
would you mind just, I'll be back in two years. Could you just drive my truck uh, while I'm God, take care of it and just mow my grass. We're going to rent our house out until we, until we move back here. And, um, and, and so he let him have his truck and to use it. And, and that would have been like great any day of the week. But the fact that he was doing that here's one of the toughest guys I know was on his face, weeping, weeping like a yes. baby in front of his kids. And so I think that, uh, there are big moments like that, that God has in store for all of us. There's nothing uniquely special about him or our church that, right. that's not true of anybody. Uh, we're all made in his image. He's all, he all loves, he loves us all more than we could ever wrap our minds around. But it's just engaging in the simple, uh, I'm going to believe in a God that's big enough to where I can put some stuff down here and, and start to pray these things. And we've seen it over and over again. One of my, one more quick one. A third grader picked up my book. Dad is deployed. His mom picked up the book actually, and they were reading it together. And he was praying that, um, uh, a bully, um, would uh, stop bullying him at school. Mm. Dad's away, tough situation. And um, there was apparently one moment that was coming up on a Wednesday where he was praying, God, would you would you just help whatever that situation, I don't know the details uh, that sh- she didn't pass that on to me, but uh, he was praying, this little third grader, uh, specifically, God, would you do this? And um, anyways, came home that day, just thrilled and said, you won't believe it. But God answered my prayer. And the bully didn't do that thing. And so uh, the fact that a third grader, you know, is having that experience from an early age, it's, it's really not about great prayers. It's not about being sophisticated. Yep. It's just about stepping into the identity that's been bought with us with Jesus' blood. Great. Thank you. Thank Dad, you. Thank you for your book. Um, thank you for the time right here. Can I ask, it seems <laughs> not just appropriate, but uh, unthinkable that we would uh, talk about prayer and not pray. Can I ask you to pray for those that are listening to this, those that are standing in some sort of, you know, inflection point in their own life, mm-hmm. in their prayer life, in their Christian life? Uh, yeah, pray for them, and that will. Um, that's how we'll end our time. I'd love to. And thank you so much for the podcast and the time. Love it. Love being on here, and uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, all that you've done through Jesus Christ to make it possible for people like us to enter into your presence and to have the same access that he does. Clothed in his righteousness, um, God, we come to you asking that you would, uh, you would help us learn to pray in the least painful way. That you would, every single person that prays that a problem or a plan, that you would answer a specific prayer for them uh, this week, the week that they hear this, the week that they do this, um, that you would cause them to think of things to pray uh, for those who don't know exactly what to pray, that you would enable them to write things down um, and to share, and that there would be uh, uh, conversations that would come from this that would stir people's hearts with a childlike faith that would help them face the lives that you've placed them in, in your providence with joy, with childlike expectancy, with hope, with love, that we would be more courageous, that we would be more loving. Um, God, most of all, I pray that you would help us to pray in a way that helps us experience you in all of your glory, in a way that uh, gives us exactly what we're looking for. I pray you'd protect us uh, from the enemy who hates it whenever your people pray. Um, I pray that you would help those right now that are in the midst of what uh, Job talked about when he said, the thing I fear most has overtaken me. And I pray you give them an extra dose of grace, that you would expand their ability to believe that you are working for their good in the midst of the dark season that they may be walking through. I pray you bring encouragers into their life that would cause them, help them to engage with you. God, I pray for all of us that you would help us to live in the main storylines that you have created us to live in, that we would center our lives around you, that we would manage our our money and possessions and serve you with our work in a way that brings you glory so that we would just be who we were created to be. Uh, and I pray that you would help those who have not yet come into your family, that they would 
maybe engage with this. Like we've had some lost, some unbelieving friends of ours back home engage with this kind of experience. You might use it uh, to bring them, to draw them, that they might even ask you for some things that could lead eventually to them joining the family of Christ. We thank you for all that uh, you have done and you will do because we know you always do what's best for us. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Uh, so, Dr. Uh, Jedediah Copinger, author of 21 Days of Childlike uh, Prayer. Did, did I say that right? Yeah, 21 Days of Childlike Prayer. I, I, didn't bring my, I didn't bring my copy down here. So, thank you for being with us. My uh, pleasure. God bless you, and uh, thanks for your work.